Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? This is Uriah along with Christopher Klein. We are the Sixer Sense Podcast. It's been a while, but... We're back, and my heart is still racing after that game, Chris. How about you? Yeah, pretty close stuff. Uh, 129, 126, Philly in overtime over the visiting Indiana Pacers, Uriah. That's where we're going to start off this pod. Pretty classic Sixers game in the sense that they had a big lead late, and they blew it in the final minutes, and then... Managed to scrape by in overtime. It feels like the kind of story we've seen multiple times already this season. Um, Pacers, not a bad team. They are now 21-18 and 18 on the season. I think a lot better than people expected going into the year, largely because of Tyrese Halliburton, who has emerged as not only an all-star candidate, but potentially a candidate to start in the all-star game with his play this year. Um, let's start with some team stats, Uriah. Really close across the board from the point total to field goal percentage, Philly at 49, Indiana at 47.4. Philly had one more offensive rebound. They had the same number of defensive rebounds between the two teams. One more block for Indy, a couple more steals for Indy. The biggest gap, I would say, is in points off of turnovers, 21 uh, for Indiana compared to 11 for the Sixers, that's one area where, where the Pacers really had the upper hand, and it's part of what helped them get back into the game late. Um, they also had seven more assists than the Sixers, 31-24. to 24. Again, Halliburton, one of the best passers in the game. That's a team that likes to move the ball and, and, and spread the sugar around, so to speak. But Sixers did pull it out, a pretty important win after a couple of recent you know, tough, tough losses in in the past couple of weeks. Um, Sixers now 23 and 14, Uriah. What were some of your big takeaways from this game? Wow, what a game. I'm looking at the box score, and both teams had seven players in double figures. And part of that reason is because they went into overtime. And whew, that was it was scary. Um, we had some some really unexpected but nice plays uh, in crunch time. But let me go back. Uh, it seems like this game started a million years ago. Uh, I just want to start off saying I'm not a fan of small ball. I don't, I don't like the way we started the game. Uh, Tucker playing center. It just to me, it just didn't look good. Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Pacers, you know, for the comeback that they made. Uh, in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, they went on some crazy 12-2 run, something like that. They uh, had some really boneheaded plays um, in the beginning of the game, not even getting toward the end when they had some ugly turnovers. Uh, first shout-out obviously has to go to James Harden, who, in the absence of Joel Embiid, really picked up some of the scoring. He had some really – I think he was tired, Chris, because he, he was turning the ball over, made some really poor judgment plays 
late in the game. Did have that one block in overtime that pretty much sealed the game. But he had 26 points to go along with eight assists, uh, six rebounds. Montrez Harrell, who's gotten a lot of flack, not just from this podcast, but from a lot of fans who were, you know, riding the, the bandwagon with uh, Paul Reed. He had 19 points and almost had a perfect game. He, had a, he missed a tip in, in, the, in overtime. He was eight for nine, three or four for uh, free throws. Uh, Tyrese Maxey had a nice game, 17 points. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, who continues to impress, uh, started the game tonight and hit five of eight three-pointers. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more lights out than that, especially in certain uh, situations that we were in, trying to cl- uh, climb back in and, and regain the lead. Uh, Harden was was looking for a shot more tonight. As I said earlier, he, he looked like he ran out of gas, uh, really made some some questionable decisions late in, in the game couldn't even get the ball past half court at one point uh but other than that uh you know Indy is, is a nice team and and you know I tweeted out earlier that um they're pretending like they don't want Wimbanyana and um they were playing to win this game tonight so so big shout out to to Pacers and Pacers fans you you fought hard but the Sixers came out on top yeah I'm, I mean Indy Indy is a good team. They, you know, they, they deserve a ton of credit for fighting hard to get back into the game like they did. That's a pretty scrappy group. They've done this on multiple occasions this year. Like, the Pacers should be taken seriously. Again, Halliburton is like a full-blown star at this point, and he elevates the guys around him, and they've built a pretty strong roster of complimentary players around him already. Uh, Benedict Matherin is is probably going to be second to Paolo in Rookie of the Year voting when the season ends. And we all know Miles Turner is one of the better defensive anchors in the league. So that, that, oh, that's yeah. a good team. Um, five blocks. He had five blocks tonight. Yeah. So good team. Uh, you know, the James Harden being tired thing, he's like leading the NBA minutes per game, which should not be the case given his recent injury history. Uh, <coughs> It's really pretty unexcusable. He played 43 minutes tonight, which is not good. I I understand that it went to overtime, and you have to play him in overtime, but they really need to start being more careful with his minutes. I know he just got a night off, but he he really should not be playing as many minutes as he is, even on nights like this when Joel is off. They just need to be more careful with him because he's getting older still. He's 30. Three thirty-four years old now. He's not going to get any younger. The injuries are going to keep piling up. That stuff's not going to go away. So they just have to treat him more carefully. Um, just five to six extra minutes a night when they can steal it. it you know, it will will add up over the course of the season. So not ideal that he had to play forty-three minutes. Like you said, made some mistakes down the stretch. Missed a couple big free throws in overtime, but had the game-saving block. Made up for it in the end with a really impressive defensive play on Matherin. Matherin had a very tough overtime period. Uh, maybe a welcome to the league moment for him, where he just, he just oh, yeah. couldn't really get anything going his way there down the stretch. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's an impressive win for Philly in a lot of ways, a concerning win in other ways in the sense that it should not have gone to overtime. They, they <laughs> shot themselves in the foot on multiple occasions, but managed to come up with a pretty big win against a good team with Joel not playing, which is not always easy to do. 
like you said, Maxi still hasn't really found his shot yet, but probably his best game since he returned. Played 37 minutes, so he seems to be back to a full or mostly full workload. Another really strong effort from Tobias, 19 and 10. And Melton, who had, a, as you said, several big threes. Great defense down the stretch. He just continues to to put up, not, if not huge numbers, huge games in, in terms of his impact for Philly and... You really can't say enough good things about him. Um, Can I jump in and just say something, Chris, that I'm looking at a stat now, and, and I, I, I heard it about a week ago, and I, I couldn't believe it, so I looked it up, and it was true. Sixers are at the top in terms of three-point shooting percentage, and right now, collectively, they're shooting 38%. But let me give you a list real quick of the top three-point shooters on this team right now. Tyrese Maxey's hitting 40, 40.9%. George's Niang, 40.7%. DeAnthony Melton, 39.7%. PJ Tucker, 39.7%. Tobias Harris, 39.2%. Harden shooting 37%. Shake Milton shooting 37%. These are really good numbers. Oh, by the way, uh, Matisse Thibel, 35%. Shooting better than Embiid, Daniel House, and Furkan Korkmaz. But I digress. But three-point shooting has been, I don't know, a really unexpected uh, factor this year. Yeah, I, I I mean I don't know if it's unexpected. They I think they very purposely added good shooters around Joel and James. I think that's kind of the game plan any year, and that's how Doc has has built this offense. And it's a smart way to build the offense with how the league is going. That's how a lot of teams are. This is a very three point heavy league. We we've seen a lot of talk recently about the big numbers going around this season, and a lot of that comes down to teams just shooting the crap out of the ball. So yeah, yeah, smart. Speaking of Matisse, like he deserves credit. He's been playing really well lately. Had a lot of big plays on both ends in this game, and he seems to have earned his spot in the rotation. So I know this has been a very happy couple of weeks for you on that front. Um, just just when you think one of us is see, getting ahead. We're never going to see Paul Reed again after this game, so I have pretty Ooh. much should probably forfeit uh, that particular <laughs> race. But, yeah, I, good win. Not the best one ever some definite right. signs you know reasons for concern as always with this team but you know beating a playoff team with without joel is generally you know i'll take it yeah. <laughs> not gonna get a lot of complaints out of me on that front um so let's let's talk hypothetical now let's let's look at the past year uriah i i think the most popular non-hardened trade idea for Ben Simmons back in the day was sending him to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton. We never got like concrete reporting on whether or not it was possible, but they ended up shipping him out for Sabonis. So he was definitely not as untouchable as some people in Sacramento maybe wanted you to think he was. It, it would be reasonable to suspect that had Philly, you know, been willing to do it, they could have worked something out. How would the Sixers look right now, do you think, if they had traded for Halliburton instead of Harden? Do you think that would have been the right move? Do you think they'd be a better team, about the same? What are your thoughts there? Well, here's what I will say, and I'm just going to pull up his numbers real, real quick. I know he's leading the league based on games played uh, per per game with assists. So if I were to pull up Halliburton, he's averaging – Let's see, 20.7 points a game, 
Uh, let's see, 10.1 assists, 3.9 rebounds, 41% from three. That's that's quite impressive. And free throw shooting, 87.7%. He only plays 33.4 minutes a night. Go figure, right? Uh, a young guy like him playing that, that type of uh, minutes compared to Harden. Uh, I, he's a good player. And, and I, I don't know how he would fit along Embiid. Uh, it, it clearly he's, he has more quickness than Harden at this point. Uh, he's a better defender. He moves the ball. He doesn't really hold it and do a lot of dribble, dribble at the top of the key. Like Harden does. He's younger. He's cheaper. I think he would find a way to fit in because if you're, if you're a ball player and you can play, you can play with anyone. It would just be different from what we've gotten to know with Harden, who I believe, even though. He's more expensive, and there is some baggage there, some uncertainty with his future here. Uh, I still think I like the fit better with with Harden. Uh, definitely better than Simmons. Uh, but, yeah, I think Halliburton would, would definitely change the, the dynamic of this team. But I, I'm glad we have Harden. Yeah, I mean, like, James Harden is awesome, and I'm also very glad that they have James Harden. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and complain about James Harden. But, I mean, Halliburton, I, they're basically the same caliber of player at this point. I, I think Halliburton is at or on the level of James. Again, he's more efficiently getting his points. He's averaging two fewer per game, but in five fewer minutes per game. Like, like their numbers are very similar across the board, and Halliburton is coming by them with a tad better efficiency as the focal point of that offense. Now, if James was the focal point of Indiana's offense, maybe he scores a bit more. There are some other factors there. I, I mean, I think Halliburton, he's much more comfortable off the ball than James. Like, I think as far as fit right. with Joel, it'd probably be much cleaner right. just because Halliburton is a much more comfortable spot-up shooter than James. I, I honestly think it'd probably be a better fit on paper. James and Joel have had their lumps along the way as far as getting used to each other and learning how to adjust stylistically because they're both very specific, very ball-dominant types of players. And there there have been... You know, there's been a pretty extended adjustment period there, and they're not 100% on the same page yet all the time. But, look, you probably don't have to give up as much to get Halliburton as you had to give up for Harden. It might have been more of a one-for-one swap than Ben plus Curry plus a bunch of picks. And, you know, age is the obvious big factor there. Like, I'd rather have twenty young 20-something Halliburton than 34-year-old James, just long-term. Because if they're on the same level now, you know, that graph is going to cross sooner than later. So they probably, should, if they could redo it, I think you'd probably take Halliburton at this point. But James is a spectacular player. They have a very real chance still, I think, to win the championship this year. It's in the cards. So if they do that, no one's going to complain. But Halliburton's really awesome. And he has been probably better than anyone would have expected coming into this year already. He's already one of the just smartest, most potent playmakers in the sport. His scoring has skyrocketed. He's extremely efficient. Plays really good defense, too. So does it on both yeah. sides of the ball. There's a pretty strong case that Halliburton just would have been the better trade. I think it's probably pretty overwhelmingly, honestly, probably in that at least long term, but short term, they're very right. similar. Short term, they're, yeah. you know, Harden is 
on that level, if not slightly above still. So short term, and the Sixers are trying to win now, you know, it's pretty equal. But I, I do think Halliburton just has a much longer – he's going to have a much longer window of being an all-star caliber player than Harden at this point, which would have been nice, but I'm not going to complain about James Harden again. So Yeah, yeah, and and he can glide, man. That, that kid – is quick. He gets to the lane, and it's like he he drove on this one play, and he 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 jumped. For, it seemed like he jumped from the free throw line, and kind of had a scoop, like he was gliding through the air, like Doctor J. But but yeah, hey, I guess we'll just have to stick with Harden, right? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. All right, so we're now going to jump to uh, some news, some good news for Sixers fans, better news for Joel Embiid. I think for the fourth or fifth time, Chris, he was named NBA Eastern Conference Player of the month for the month of December. I'm looking at the infographic now that was, I think, tweeted out by NBA.com. Over that month span, the team was nine and four winning record. He averaged 35.4 points, 9.9 rebounds and 4.2 assists per game. Uh, Just for the Western conference, Luca won for that conference, 35.1 points a game, 9.3 rebounds, and 8.5 assists. Luca is just off the charts right now. But let's let's go to our hometown guy. Uh, oh, be- before I ask you about this, uh, I just want to share one of my Christmas gifts. I'm such an NBA nerd. See how his, his arms are up in there? So, uh, But, yeah, I have my Joel Embiid action figure that I got as one of my Christmas gifts. Uh, Chris, what do you think this, what do you make of this award? What do you think it means to him? What do you think it means to to the franchise? What are your thoughts about Embiid getting that award? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure Joel doesn't really care about player of the month, but it, it's certainly well-deserved. You you read out the stats, 35.4 points, 9.9 boards, 4.2 assists. Sixers were 9-4 and four over that stretch. He's been one of the best players in the NBA again this year. He's anchoring a top five defense. He is leading the league in scoring. He's had multiple 50-point games to this point in the season. Like there, There's really not much more you can ask of a guy. Um, So, yeah, I, I mean, look, the East has a lot of very good players this year. Giannis, Tatum, KD, all those guys have been very prominently featured in the MVP conversation, which we're going to talk about. But... You know, December is basically half the NBA season, almost half the NBA season at this point. And Joel was player of the month. So he, he has been as good, if not better, than those guys. And he is, again, as always, the core reason why there is still 
enough there to believe in this team as a title contender. It is not perfect. It is not always as pretty as we would like it to be. They certainly are maybe more aggravating than other contenders around the league, though it's not like Boston is thrilling its fans right now. It's not like Milwaukee is playing 100% great basketball. Like Every team goes through ups and downs. I, I don't think the Phillies are unique in that they aggravate their fans sometimes, but <laughs> if you have a guy like Joel, you have a chance, and he he's certainly earned player of the month. I don't know if he cares, but uh, you know I care, and he's, he's played great <laughs> basketball. It's good to know that you care, Chris. <laughs> I I agree. He's well deserving of it. At this point, he, he just makes it look easy out there. Putting up games, 42 points, 48 points, 50 piece, whatever it is that you want to speak about Joel Embiid's offensive skill set, his growth over the past half decade, which is remarkable when you think about it. But on top of that, one key thing that you said was he anchors a top five defense. Sixers, I think, are in a top two or three, unless after tonight they got dropped down. Yeah. But if you if Which, you look at, I would just say ahead. it doesn't feel like they're a top five defense watching them hardly ever, but mm-hmm. they somehow are. Well, when you have DeAnthony Melton lurking on the wing, and and Thibel comes in, does what he does, and you have Embiid in there, it. It doesn't surprise me because they they I think they've gotten better at transition defense, uh, better at switching. Uh, but back to Embiid, I think um, him like you can look at his blocks and say, all right, he's averaging one point, whatever, six, seven blocks a game. But I, I'm so much more in tune, Chris, when I watch this team play and I look at the opponents. Doesn't matter who drives. It could be a wing. It could be a guard. They get into that lane and they they think twice about that shot. Or if they don't think twice, they put a little bit too much on it, or they put too little and they miss the shot. Why? Because Joel Embiid is a constant threat on the defensive end. So for that reason, including his offensive um, prolific scoring, uh, he, he's just a juggernaut, and and I think he's well deserving. And I might argue that he he does care. A little bit because, you know, all these accolades he gets, he's mentioned several times publicly his son, Arthur. He wants his son to grow up and look at his dad yeah. as his hero. And I, I would say that he he won't admit it publicly, but I think he does does care. So we're yeah. going to look at. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just. This might be slightly off topic. I, I do think, you know, we're talking about top five defense thing. A lot of that has to do with the fact that Milton has been starting over Tyrese for the past month and a half. So it'll be interesting once Maxie's back full-time. We'll, we'll talk more in this podcast about you know, how we can maybe sneak in some more minutes for Milton still. But mm-hmm. I, it'll be interesting to see how it holds up. Because I, I don't think this has been Joel's best defensive season. It's been far from it. He is not... You know, a player who carries that load offensively is never going to be able to, like, 100% focus in every possession on defense. It's just impossible. No yeah. player of that caliber on offense is not taking possessions off defensively. And Joel has taken plenty of possessions off defensively this year. He has not always been 100% tuned in. But, again, it, like you said, it just speaks to his, like, overarching presence in the paint that people don't like to, you know, test and beat inside. And he's still... Even in a like mediocre by his standards defensive season, is the most important defender on a top five defense. That just speaks to his talent on both sides of the ball. So, so here's some irony. I just got a, a 
notification on Twitter. Uh, uh, ben Franceschi, who lives in California, he's a fan of our podcast and a big time Sixers fan. He he tweeted out uh, actually in our chat. Ironically, I get why we are a top two defensive team. <laughs> These dudes are balling. As as you were talking, that just came through. So I, I thought that was ironic. But but yeah, just real quick, Melton could be a starter on any team in this league. And when Tyrese kind of gets back into his his old self, it'll be interesting how Doc handles that. What we're going to do right now is we're going to look at the current MVP ladder race. I have the most, actually not the most recent, but I guess the end of December. We're just going to look at, Chris, the top 10 candidates for NBA MVP. And we're just going to have a, a nice little debate, go back and forth and discuss how accurate we believe that this list is. So this was released by or published by Michael C. Wright, who I think writes for the NBA website. And top 10 MVP players right now. I'm just going to start at 10 and go backwards. We have Devin Booker is 10. Donovan Mitchell just had a 71-point game. Amazing, amazing player. I love D. Mitch. He's ninth. There's a tie for seventh. He has Luka Doncic and Joel. Six players plus. of the month at tied at seven. Yeah. 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 I didn't expect this. Zion, he has a sixth as MVP candidate. Now let's get to the top five. John Morant for the Grizzlies is number five. Kevin Durant, number four. Jason Tatum, number three. Jokic. Uh, number two and number one, according to Michael C. Wright, is Giannis. Chris, what are your thoughts with this list? Yeah, I, I think for the most part, it's a pretty fair ranking. Um, like I personally have a slightly different list, but it's not nothing is egregious in, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I I think Joel is probably top four or five for me. I I mean it's just kind of hard to deny the numbers and the Sixers have won more games lately, so it's getting kind of harder <laughs> to keep him out of that top five. I think as the season progresses, he will move more firmly into that range. You know, no disrespect to John Morant, I, I just don't know if he's really in the top five with as many great years as we're seeing from other guys. Um, yeah, Zion is going to miss a few weeks here. So he's going to get bumped back a few pegs now. Yeah, Luca, it's unfortunate. It, it, it sucks because he's having an awesome year. And, but so, so, you know, with Zion probably moving back a few spots here, the path for Joel and Luca, who is just putting up insane numbers. It's kind of, it speaks to the talent in the league that Luca's not like a top two MVP candidate with the season he's having. Um, I, I think Joel and Luca are kind of on similar footing. I, I honestly, I think Tatum, who's been number one for a lot of people for a lot of the season, I, he's at number three on this list. I, I just don't know if I would put. I don't know. I he's having an amazing year. He's a top five, ten player. I don't want to speak ill of Jason Tatum. The Celtics are still one of the top teams in the NBA. No, it's okay. Let's kick him out the top five. He's a Celtic, so we just, by default. I'd probably put Tatum at five and Joel at four. And then I'd probably have KD, Giannis, Jokic, three, two, one. If I was making the list myself, is probably how I'd go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jokic is one? Yeah, 
I I mean, not to like, you know. I'll be right back. I, no, I don't want to just... commit too hard to the bit, but Yoga just had the best season so far. Um, wow. Okay. All right. I'm not going to. I told you I'm not going to argue that tonight. Not going to argue. Because he mean, is like, having an amazing season. He's having an amazing season. The Nuggets are a pretty clear contender. I, I don't really understand the pushback at this point. But yeah. pushback is always going to be defense. That will always be my my argument. But you know, we're not going to revisit that. Let me let me give my take on it. So I I agree. There's nothing egregious in this list. I agree with most of it. Uh, I would actually argue, and you might be surprised by this. I think Luca should be higher, and here's why. What he's doing night in and night out, like you take him away from that team, and they they're nothing. You take you take Embiid away, Sixers can stay afloat. You take KD away, they still have Kyrie and, and some good players. You take Tatum away, they still have Jalen Brown and Marcus Marcus Smart. You take Giannis away, they still have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Lopez. So I th- for that reason, I think Luca deserves to be higher. Embiid, I think, should be higher just because of the revolving door of injuries that he's had to deal with. Maxie's missed a significant amount of games. Same thing with James Harden. And Embiid, has, he's been very consistent. He had a really rough start, but we've gotten used to that from him. He always starts slow. But uh, Zion, I would say, should be lower. Uh, he's having a very good year, the best year of his career. And, and we didn't talk. It's been weeks. We didn't talk about the, the New Orleans games. But just seeing him play against the Sixers, he is a force. He is like a freight train disguised as a basketball player. Unstoppable. Good around the basket. Yeah, I mean. Can finish yeah. in traffic. And he's an, un- I would say he's an underrated passer. I think his skill set, like he he picked up something from uh, Krzyzewski um, yeah, I mean, down in Duke. He's basically point guard for that team at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, he was bringing the ball up in those games. Yeah, I, I mean, like. This is all what we expected when he was coming out of Duke, right? Like, like he was yeah. pitched as a generational guy, and that hype kind of got put on pause for a year because we just didn't get to watch him play because he was hurt. But this is what Zion looked like before he got hurt. This is Zion. Zion's yeah. a really awesome, very singular player who does things that no one else can do. He's, you know, everyone knows that he's driving to the rim, and yet no one can stop him. And <laughs> blend of like quickness and explosiveness and strength and touch it's really just there's no one like that in the nba and he's going to continue to do absurd things as long as he's healthy pelicans are like a very legitimate title contender i think that's like a very really good team across the board they're one of the deepest teams in the league zion is a legit number one title contending star ingram hasn't even been healthy for most of this year they're going to get him back. CJ's an awesome number three. Like, Pelicans are legit. So, yeah, I, I was, I'm was i fine with Zion at six, you know, pre-injury, not taking that inevitable drop into account. Um, but I, I, too, I think my list, I'd probably have Lucas six, Tatum five, Joel four, KD three, Giannis two, Jokic one. I think that would be my top six with Zion at seven and Jaw at eight. Okay. All right, it's fair enough. Fair enough. Let's move on. All right, let's talk about PJ Tucker, everyone's favorite sixer right now. Um, 
<laughs> we talked a few weeks ago about how the offensive struggles were going to, you know, inevitable regression to the mean. He's going to get better. It's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. So um, with Tyrese coming back now, PJ continuing to do next to nothing on the offensive side of the ball, Uriah. The fact that Melton has been playing off the charts great two-way basketball might be an all-defensive candidate. You know, do we think it's time to move PJ to the bench? Because he just hasn't been that good lately. Let's like, be frank about it. PJ has not been as good as people expected. Melton has been a significantly better player on both sides of the ball. Do we think there are any advantages of Tucker becoming a reserve moving forward? I'm going to go to the people. I put out a questionnaire survey on Twitter. Very simple question. It was during the game. I asked people, should P.J. Tucker come off the bench for the rest of the season? If so, who would you start in his place? Now, modest sample of people responded. 87 votes. But 88%, Chris, 88.5% said yes. Bench him. Let him be a reserve. Let him come in and be a role player for $10 million a year. Look, we all love his grit, his spirit, his veteran experience. He has value to this team. I'm not arguing that. What I am arguing is his numbers in justifying a starting role for him when you could, we have several players who could start in his place. So let me just give you some numbers real quick. Not very good. Overall in the season, he is averaging, where is his points per game? Uh, this can't be serious. Okay. 3.4 points a game. 4.3 rebounds. Yeah. Uh, 0.3 blocks. Ugh. He's only shooting 41% from the field, shooting 38% from three, which is what he was yeah. brought here to do. His last five games, Chris, his plus minus is not good. Uh, on Christmas Day, he was like a zero, played 24 minutes. Uh, against Washington, we lost that game. He was a minus seven, played 19 minutes. He was a minus two against the Pelicans when we lost. He played 28 minutes. He did have a plus two game against the Pelicans at home where he played 18 minutes, and he was a minus six tonight. I know he pulled a hammy or had a, I don't know, some type of leg injury. But I think it's time to pull the plug. And if Doc wants to maximize the growth of this team in any cohesion that can be developed, he needs to do that now. And, you know, whatever he has to do to, you know, talk to him, hey, you know, we're going to bring in some guys and you're going to start in the playoffs, like whatever you have to do. Because all these guys have egos. I, I'm sure he wouldn't want to lose his starting spot, but it's time. You, you know who I would put in there. I would put Thibault in there in a heartbeat. Thibault has been playing, not out of his mind, but he's been, he's been playing better, whether it's shooting the outside shot, cutting to the rim, uh, catching lobs, making plays defensively. He gives you so much more than Tucker, in my opinion. I uh, know Lucas, who isn't here, he floated the idea of Daniel Howe starting. Eh, not my favorite decision. I, I would actually start Paul Reed over over House yeah. if I had the choice. I mean, but I, yeah. I would go with Thibel. That's who I would put. I think the only obvious candidate is Melton. Like, I, I don't really know why we would make it more complex than it needs to oh, be. Yeah. Melton, That's right. Melton. I forgot Maxie was out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So – 
I, you know, putting Maxi back in, I think there's a pretty strong case to just run the three guard lineup, start games, finish games. Whether PJ does or doesn't sit, Melton's going to close a lot of games over him, anyways. Um, a while back, Sixers Adam on Twitter, Adam Aronson of of the rights to Ricky Sanchez, floated the idea of making it like situational, depending on who you're playing. You know, if you're playing the Hawks and you need someone to guard Trey Young, start Melton. If you're playing the Bucks and you need PJ to shadow Giannis, start PJ, which makes a lot of sense. That Doc is never going to be that flexible in his life, though. So. You really need to. It's going to be one. I don't of the, know about. Um, I don't know about shadowing Giannis. Maybe guarding uh, Holiday or or uh, Middleton. I just I, I can't see that being his primary. PJ's component. been guarding. He's been Giannis's no, primary. No, Fibel. Fibel. No, I'm talking about Tucker, not Fibel. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, Fibel would guard. Fibel and Milton handle probably the same defensive assignments. Um. Yeah, Tucker, if you're playing the Bucks, Melton, if you're playing the Hawks kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, like, Melton's just a way better player right now. I mm-hmm. Offensively, you're getting a lot more out of Melton. He's really improved as, like, a connective passer and playmaker. He's far less troubling when he, when he has to handle the ball than he has been in past years. The three-point shooting is off the charts right now. And defensively, his activity has been off the charts. Like, again, like, very strong, like, first-team all-defense case for Melton so far. We'll yeah. see if that holds up if he gets moved back to the bench. Uh, but yeah, I, I would very strongly consider starting Melton. I, I think there's a very strong case. Um, if it is PJ, you know, it, again, it really who you close games with is much more important than who you start games with. I'm I'm not going to like, you know, there are reasons to fire Doc that go beyond keeping PJ in the starting five on like a nominal like just it really is more important who you close games with. And I think Melton will close more games than PJ, but yeah, the Tucker stuff is not great. He's not been as good as advertised this year. He's clearly taking a step back. Now what really matters with PJ is how he looks in the playoffs. Like when, you know, pedal to the metal when the stuff really starts to count, can he, can he bring it against Kevin Durant or Giannis or whoever they're playing in a series? That's what's really going to determine the value of that contract. Again, like offensively, you're not getting much more out of Thibel than you are out of Tucker um, at this point. Uh, so I, I think the only real case is Melton because you do get a lot more offensively out of him mm-hmm. and defensively right now, depending on who you're playing. But to me, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I think Melton is going to close a lot more games. When the playoffs come around, I think Melton is going to close – you know, Melton's playing 35 minutes a night in the playoffs, if he's starting or not. So, I don't know if it really matters. I, I, I think there's a case, but at the end of the day, Melton's the fifth guy on this team, whether he's, like, penciled in as the fifth starter or not. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, do, let's ask, like, like, why do we think Doc is sticking with PJ right now, though? Uriah, what do you think is the logic in Doc's head? Do you think it's an injury thing? Do you think you know he'll work himself out of it eventually? Do you think it's like we're paying ten million a year for this guy for the next few <laughs> years? We kind of we have to get you know some bang for our buck, or yeah. do you think he actually believes that Tucker is the best option? Like, what do you think Doc's line of thinking is right now? 
pure speculation. You, you, you took one of my, my responses, which was you have to justify his salary, making $10 million a year to come off the bench and probably still have the same numbers. Not a good look for uh, anyone that decided to bring him here. As far as Doc, we know he loves veterans. He doesn't like playing young players. Uh, it worked out for him tonight with Montrezl Harrell. He, he showed loyalty to him because in the past, he's shown that he can handle himself in a variety of situations in the league. And, you know, maybe he's he's just trying to, you know, pre-All-Star break, try to figure out what this team could look like in a playoff series. And once the playoffs come, you know that uh, Tucker is going to be in there. So maybe up to this point, Doc is like, all right, I'm going to play Tucker. He's making X amount of dollars. He's a veteran. He's willing to sacrifice his shots so that other guys can eat. Talking Maxi, Harden, and Bede. You don't have to worry about him trying to get shots off because he doesn't need them and doesn't want to take them. So I, I think it's a combination of things, but whether or not he he stays with it, that could mean the difference between um, a couple wins and losses throughout the regular yeah. season. And like I, I think it's important to note the circumstances. It's like Philly hasn't been healthy all year. They haven't had their full their full repertoire of offensive players pretty much the whole season. So that has maybe exacerbated some of the issues with Tucker not being much of an offensive player so far as. You know, they've been shorthanded in certain spots. But, again, he was definitively a postseason investment. Like, it doesn't matter a ton. The Sixers are going to win plenty of regular season games. Regardless, it's whether or not Tucker mm-hmm. can show up in the playoffs. That will be right. the real, you know, that, that's when that will be the time to pass judgment. It really doesn't matter that much in December. He's 38 mm-hmm. years old. I, anyone expecting him to give like full effort for 40 minutes a night in the regular season <laughs> at 38 I was kidding. Good luck. It's just not <laughs> going to happen. So, right. Um, it has not been pretty so far. The offensive numbers are concerning, but you know, again, like if you're not starting Melton, there's no one who's lighting the world on fire offensively and giving you defense like, like Thibault has is not going to elevate the offense in any meaningful way. Daniel House hasn't been able to hit the side of a barn for half his games this year. Like, yeah, it's really Tucker or Melton. And either way, I think Melton's going to again close plenty of games, so it doesn't really matter who's starting. Um, but yeah, it, I'm really I think I'm just in wait and see mode until the playoffs. Maybe Doc is too. PJ's minutes have been going down recently, which is smart. I don't. He was playing a lot of minutes earlier in the season, which was not. Again, Doc just needs to play guys less, especially the older guys. Don't know why Joel and James and PJ are playing as as many minutes as they are. It's not good, but we'll see what happens in the playoffs. That's yeah. all I got to say about it. Bring on the playoffs. I'm I'm ready right now. It's, I don't know if I can make it Start. through <laughs> March and February. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So... Well, look, we we did have another topic, but it's getting late. Thanks, Sixers, for taking us into overtime. Uh, so I think let's head on out. We'll save that for the next next conversation. All right. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. And as you already said, it's been a minute, but we're glad to be back. I'm glad to be back um, yeah. after a pretty long hiatus. And 
Hope everyone had a good holiday break. Hope everyone brought in the New Year's on a positive note. And until next time, go Sixers. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SixersSense if you can. We are on the web at SixersSense.com. Please like, subscribe, and follow on YouTube as well for those listening or watching. If you're watching, hit that subscribe button. And until next time, next week, peace out. We'll talk to you soon. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.